for uh, for just a moment what I want to do because you've seen, you know, you've met wives and you've heard them say their names, but our church is big enough where you may not know the men they're talking about. And all these guys love to be the center of attention. I don't know if you're picking up a theme, this meek and lead by example, not being real boisterous. These guys love the spotlight being on them. So I'm just going to drive the nail in a little bit deeper here. Um, but what I want to do is just acknowledge these guys because I think they represent for every one story we're here, we hear this morning, they represent so many men that they know that they interact with in their own groups and in their own uh, lives here at Faith and everything. So just for a quick second, I'm sorry, Joel. I know you're going to just punch me later, and he's big enough to do it. Joel, John, uh, Floyd, would you please just stand for a second? We just want to see who you guys are and appreciate you. All right. Mark, thank you. All right, sit down, you glory hogs. Just soaking it in. Just can't, you know, their wives are like, okay, you can sit down. And they're like, no, I'm not done. This is great. No kidding just kidding so i i you know i told you this morning i was going to kind of wing this and and the thought that came to my mind as uh these ladies are talking is you see this does work this isn't just something the pastors are supposed to say is that if husbands lead in their homes if dads lead in their homes by example if they live out biblical principles they'll have real lives with real family members who still have real struggles I don't know if you caught the the theme. None of if you had thought how much planning went into this morning, you'd be like, really? How did they? You know, all these stories sounding somewhat similar and everything. A couple of similarities I'm going to point out here in a second. I had I had no idea how well some of these things were going to tie in together. I asked uh, ladies to share with me what they were going to say ahead of time, but I did one read through and I was like, yep, go with it. Sounds good. Didn't coach him, didn't say, I want this emphasized, and could you push this up a little bit more? We need to make it sound like these guys are still okay and everything like that. I didn't have to do any of that. So you could say, yeah, we picked well, but like I said, I think we could have just, I mean, these names came to us fairly quickly, and not because they're the only ones we go to, but because there's so many to draw from. So um, what I noticed, and, and these families I know personally, but what I noticed, and by their own admission, uh, these wives, and in Amy's case, daughter as well, you know, they're very comfortable with themselves. May not have been comfortable talking to you, but they're not these mousy, pushed around, super, you know, maybe they're submissive, but, you know, just the picture of what we get when we think of if a man really leads in the home, this is what always happens to the women. They get pushed aside, they get disregarded, their vote doesn't count, and all that kind of stuff. That is not what the Bible teaches at all. Unfortunately, that is what a lot of the church has abused over the years, and so that definitely does happen, where leadership turns into authority. But as we're hearing from these examples, that leadership, if it's done with compassion, it's done with a sensitivity to timing and personalities and makeup and all that kind of stuff, that the dynamic just kind of works in the house. I think all of these testimonies said, my, my guy isn't perfect, right? And I, I heard a couple of them squirming, like, hey, wait a second, I thought this was going well for a second. But, but the reality is, is they aren't. And, and what I love about the, uh, the men that have been highlighted this morning is I think they were all pretty card off guard, like, really? They want you to talk about me? What's this all about, you know? And because they're not looking for it. They don't expect it. We've all had our brush-ins with those kinds of guys that thought this morning would be about them. Oh, they're asking for testimonies. I bet my wife's going to stand up and say something great about me. If you thought that, you're already losing the battle. (laughs) So 
unless she told you ahead of time, John, then you're, you're free and clear. So, but, um, but that's, that's the whole point of this is that that's why I didn't really bother writing a real sermon this morning is because these, we, we hear all the time that our lives are going to be sometimes the only sermon that people ever see or hear. And so we're sharing the, the, the story of real people's lives and these guys that are putting forward a life built on real biblical principles. What we've been working on for the last several years under Jeff Dion's leadership and in partnership with Man in the Mirror is to try to explain to men that godly principles are practical. They're the types of things that engage their mind because there's a big mind shift that has to happen in the lives of men. They're the things that get uh, they, they dig up and they plow up the stubbornness of our hearts and they start to um, take root in our hearts so that that begins to change. And then ultimately the things that we do, what we've nicknamed hands, you know, the, the action that we carry out begins to change. And my own experience in growing up in church and stuff was it jumped right to the hands. Just clean up your act. Clean up the outside. Act like a better dude in church. You know, when I was a teenager and it was, it was always asked of us to get involved in the church and everything, and so I always had a suit jacket on to usher and everything. It didn't matter. Well, I mean, it mattered, but they didn't really look under the hood as long as I showed up on Sunday and I did my job and I had my suit coat on and everything like that. There were some in my life that cared about me, don't get me wrong. But the emphasis church-wide was you look good on the outside, the inside will take care of itself. Jesus says that what happens on the inside flows out of the heart. All we care about at faith when it comes to reaching our men is that we get them to understand that Jesus wants to plow up the stubbornness and the hardness of our hearts. And after he plows that up, I'm not much of a gardener by any stretch, but I know that if you rototill that, you get that soil all loose. That's when you start dropping the seed. And now it's got something that will start attacking it and give it life. And then what comes out of the top of the ground, what you can actually see springing new life, is all what took place where, where people couldn't see. So the Bible works like that. Principles dig deep. They, they plow up and then they spring out. And so I'm so encouraged to, to see that what we've, um, what we've strived for for so many years to try to, um, to, to get across to men, it just seems to be taking root. It seems that seed is growing in so many gardens that are being planted around the greater Waterville area. And you men are to be thanked for that because you keep coming back and you keep showing up. Guys don't like being punched between the eyes over and over and over again. Our philosophy is you get one shot on me and then I'm coming back swinging. And uh, we have a great humility here at Faith. And so I wanted to explain this in the context of um, what we call a challenge for men. Um, every year we initiate a new challenge under the man in the mirror kind of framework that we do. Last year, the challenge was to help guys to understand what biblical manhood really looks like. Because, yes, there is a stark contrast between the manhood that's spelled out in the world, which has a whole bunch of different definitions depending on who you ask, and then the biblical definition of manhood, which is leading as a servant in the home, sacrificing your life first for everyone else, and leading by that kind of example as we've already heard about this morning. And so challenge one was biblical manhood. Now challenge two that the guys have been uh, enrolled in this year is the gospel. And really what that means is how does the gospel change the heart and the life of a man and what happens when that takes root? And so um, Matthew seven twenty four through 27 gave us our overall um, umbrella or theme for challenge two because that statement you see on the top of the slide is we are committing 
We are committed to building our faith on the rock, not on shifting sand. So we're going to stay on this slide for just a moment because we're going to come back to this Matthew 7 passage and talk about why I think it's pretty important for us as men and in particular today why it's important for dads to really think through that passage. The first thing that we asked our guys to commit to if they were to participate in this year-long challenge of understanding the gospel is that they would be able to at the end of all this say I'll understand the basics of Christian doctrine such as the character of God justification that means being set right before God of no work of our own but simply what Jesus did by laying his life down for us and paying the penalty for our sins he allowed us to be seen as right before a perfect and holy God that's justification sanctification is that ongoing work of being cleansed of being made uh righter or more right under the lord we're justified positionally we're there but sanctification is now that we're positionally clean before the lord how are we going to keep growing and sort of climbing that mountain sorry ben who's got very sore legs from having climbed katahdin yesterday that's a painful subject i didn't mean to bring it up right but you gave us a few jabs in announcements just want you to know he who has the microphone allows payback. So, so as you go to shake Ben's hand, just understand he's going to be like this because he, he acted tough for his announcements, but he came in just basically in tears this morning from having climbed the mountain. So, But sanctification is that, that growth process that's sometimes climbing up that mountain and dipping down in the valley, but progressively we are getting more and more like Christ. To understand what the church really is and how it's made up and what our role is in it. To understand the Bible and its applicable, uh, applicability to us in a daily context. Who Jesus Christ really is as a person and how the Holy Spirit works. Those are all the things that we set out to accomplish with men this year to engage the thinking. To understand this is how you feed your brain to think on the things of Christ. Secondly, we wanted them to be able to learn to trust God for their righteousness and security rather than in their own strength. So can I get an amen, ladies, that men live by their own strengths? <laughs> I'll do it myself. Don't you think you should call someone to help you lift that thing out? I'll do it myself. Don't you think we should call some of your friends to visit you in the hospital since you did it yourself? I'll get through this myself. Who do you want to speak at your funeral since you overdid it yourself? I'll speak for myself just no telling you know the level of our independence is disgusting anyway so so it's important for a man to engage his heart to learn how to trust god for a righteousness or a a a, a rightness that he could not provide for himself to trust god for security guys we are so geared towards protection that it's very difficult for us to say can someone else really protect me can someone else really keep me and lock me in securely rather than in our own strengths? And then how does that carry out? We want guys to be able to say that they've developed the habits of a learner and will continue to grow in their knowledge and their love for God. So if we can get the ball rolling in the hearts, minds, and hands of men to say, I need to at least sign up to keep learning, that's all we ask for. None of us will ever arrive. The minute a guy starts acting like he's arrived, other guys have a tendency to write him off. He's a know-it-all. He doesn't really have any room in his life to learn. 
and stuff. And so the humility that shows up when Christ moves in is this spirit of, yeah, I've got a lot to learn. In my own life, I've got a 90-year-old man who continues to learn something new every day. And I often hear the phrase from him whenever he's been talking to somebody down at the coffee shop or something like that. He comes home and he goes, they made a very interesting statement today. I guess I learned something. And I'm like, man, at your age, I would just want to be able to tell everybody, shut up, I've forgotten more than you'll ever know. (laughs) But Vernon continues to learn and to grow and to listen and stuff. And so he becomes an inspirational figure to me that way. So uh, anyway, so in in the challenge of the gospel... Uh, We have asked men to embark on a journey to discover these things, and we have been very pleased to see the faithfulness of that coming to fruition. Um, Because we haven't been stand up, sit down enough, I have one more thing that I want some guys to do. This is super corny. Guys are going to be like locked in their chairs because we love doing corny things, especially in public. Um, But um, we have something that we want to give out. Jeff, if I could have you come forward, I'm going to do this now, I think. You know, in life nowadays, if you participate in sports or something, they give everyone like a participation trophy. You showed up. You looked at a ball, you know, congratulations. You know, it's like who wins anymore? You know, nobody. So we figured in one stage of life, if there's anything to receive a participation award, it would be in the journal journey to biblical manhood. So we have created a participation award for our men um, and we want to hand those out. What I'm going to ask guys to do is for the last two um, challenges, the gospel challenge and the um, biblical manhood challenge, if you have participated in those challenges, and if you say, well, I didn't have perfect attendance at all my small groups and everything, if you came to our event and or you joined one of those follow-up groups, I just need you to stand where you are and make your way forward. Remember that whole leading by example thing we just guilted you about 20 minutes ago? Guys, could you do that if you participated in any of our follow-up groups? We want to give you this um, this certificate. Now, we know this isn't for our guys. Guys, come on out. Come on. And then I'm going to ask you to just stay up here just to soak it in even more. This is a guaranteed way that when we do challenge number three, no guys are going to join. All right. So, well, look, we know that now that's the spirit I need, Stephen. Uh, So we don't we don't give these out for the guys. The guys don't really care about this. You know, they're not going to go. Oh, I just I'm so glad that I have a token of my participation. But oftentimes, like, you know, the kids need to see this or wives need to see this or your friends need to see this or something. We've attached Another kind of simple little thing, just a magnet there that has our logo and men of faith and everything for the toolbox or the locker room or the fridge or something like that. Because we know that our families and our friends want to celebrate in uh, the journey that we're taking. And so, guys, I appreciate you coming up. Don't move yet because we're just going to pray over you here and um, and spend some time before the Lord. Let's. Would you join me in prayer? Lord God, um, again, we know that we're we're praying for a representation of our body, Lord. We know that we have many men in this room that intended to join or to uh, or had um, thought about participating in one way, shape, or form in real life hit and everything. So, Lord, we know that discipleship for our men and our ladies, for that matter, comes in a lot of different forms, a lot of different ways. We have people serving in some areas and can't participate in another area. So, Lord, we know all that. We pray that the leadership of this church would continue to be faithful to find ways to reach every single man on this path to discipleship. 
We thank you, Lord, for those that committed to follow-up groups. We thank you for what they've learned along the way, what they've exercised and how they've learned. Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless their year. We thank you for their example. Pray that you would bless their families, bless the places they work and the influences that, that they have, that they would be seen as a light in a dark place. So, God, we thank you for giving them to us. We thank you for the part that we can have in this journey together. And so, Lord, we thank you uh, for this group of believers who understands the initiative, who understands the challenges that we face in our society and continues to give us the leeway to honor these types of moments. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. I know I probably should have included a sweet frog card in there or something like that. Matthew 7, Jesus is, uh, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is giving his sermon on the mount. And um, he, uh, in that sermon, he is talking about um, all the different ways in which the kingdom of God is valued. All the different ways, if someone were to truly live in the kingdom of God, who would they be? What would they act like? How would they, how would they live? And so over the years, I've always promoted, if you're not sure where to get started in your Bible reading, if you're not sure what portion of the scripture should you be saturating your heart and your mind with, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which is the, the Sermon on the Mount, which instructs so much on kingdom living, is a great place to just spend your time and get to know over and over and over again. Towards the end of that sermon, in uh, chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, he shares this small little piece here where he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a, a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. All through life, we are constantly battling with where we're going to build our home. Now, just play along with the metaphor on this for me here. What the scriptures are saying, what Jesus is saying is that the master builder has laid out these blueprints and he's saying that both people in this parable, the, the, the wise man and the foolish man, for all of their differences, they have some similarities. And, and the one key similarity that starts the whole thing off in both of those sections is it says the, the wise man could be compared to somebody who heard and then he jumps over to the foolish man. The foolish man could be compared to somebody who heard. We have a tendency to think that the foolish man doesn't even make himself a part of the audience of God's voice. The problem is, is that Jesus is saying in, in our vernacular, in our day and age, it could be like both these guys were faithful churchgoers. The wise man and the foolish man. Both of them heard the message over and over and over again. Both of them might be even to reiterate the truth that they heard. It's not that they've tuned it out. But the difference is, is that one of them heard and did, the other one heard and did not do. So the difficulty is, why don't we carry it out? Why don't we do? I don't think most people go into life thinking, I really want to build a house that's really flimsy because I built it on a poor foundation. And what I'm hoping is, when I get the trouble in my life, when the rain and the storms and the floods rise and everything, which again happened to both men in that case, wise man, foolish man, 
I hope that when my storms come, my, ho- my house just gets obliterated and washed away. We never set out for that. We never intend to see the destruction hit us on our shore. I think part of the difference is, at least in our day and age, and what I see so many men challenged with, is that we, we all receive the same blueprints, and, and some say, okay, now the, when I was given these blueprints, I was told, you make sure you find a firm foundation to build on, regardless of the surroundings, this is going to be the most critical thing. And other people receive those same blueprints and say, now I wonder what would be the most impressive place to build. I wonder where I should build it, my, but my wife's been screaming at me forever. I think she's really big into the view. Or, man, if I could just get my kids off my back and everything, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to build over here, and we build on sand because it provides all the other things around us that we, especially as men and as dads and as providers, we think I'm going to provide the things that make me feel validated as a man. And so who wouldn't be impressed with a beachfront property? Who wouldn't be impressed with a giant playground and all the, all the entertainment that all your kids could ever want and everything? And, and there's this little voice saying, it's not going to last, you know. Yeah, 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 but for now, this gets them off my back or this makes me feel like I'm a high earner or something along those lines. Jesus is saying that the wise man takes the blueprints, listens to the voice of the master builder and says, I'm going to build on a foundation that does not shake. Yeah, but you're not going to really get the best view. You're not going to get, you know, all the best amenities and everything like that. I know, but it, it's, it's for them. I'm doing this so that their world doesn't come crashing down. I'm doing this so that their security lasts. So I'm going to build it over here. Yeah, but they're not even going to like the view. Yeah, but eventually they'll understand, and they, like me, will end up valuing what Christ spelled out all along. If I spend my whole time chasing things that I value, that I measure as more valuable over on this side on shifting sand, I'm failing everybody around me, even though initially I provided something everyone was real excited about. Are you tracking with me on my metaphor here? We, uh, just to be extra corny, we're, we have a corny uh, flow going here this morning. Um, we want to provide every dad in the room this morning with this tiny little measuring tape. It's not a Stanley. It's not even a craftsman. So if it breaks, we will not have a lifetime guarantee on it. And the only, about the only thing you can measure is like a pencil or something like that. But it's got our logo on it. That makes it all the better. The reason, guys, why we want you to take a measuring tape is because we want to challenge what you're valuing. We want to challenge what you measure to be important in life. We want you to be thinking about the fact that, okay, I have a real decision to make here. Do I chase the things that life screams at me that a real man provides? Is that what I measure to be valuable? Or am I measuring something that Jesus has spelled out that he has made uh, in the master blueprint of it all and saying, if you build here, it will last. So that is what I value more than all the other stuff. I grew up in a household where I saw my dad beat himself up by not being able to provide all of this. And I'd love to give you the long story. I had actually thought that maybe I would, but it doesn't seem like that's really that important right now. So suffice it to say that who is a, a dad who was a good man, a humble man, great sense of humor, um, was never, ever the loudest in the room. He was, he was actually in high school was voted to be the uh, – he was, he was voted the most shy can you imagine me coming from someone who's the most shy? And, and, um, and I guess we've got to blame my mom for all the other stuff. So, um, so here is a guy who was quiet and humble and just kind of kept his head down and worked hard. He was a janitor and everything. But I would see him sink into depression 
when one bill would come that he couldn't afford or the car would break that he couldn't fix. Why? Because if I was a real man, he never said it, but he showed it in all of his defeated demeanor. If I was a real man, we wouldn't have to be without a vehicle. If I was a real man, we wouldn't be behind on the rent. And he just beat himself up over and over and over again. And it kept him from being the engaged father that I know he wanted to be because he was so busy worrying about the sandcastles that he couldn't provide for us that were eventually going to wash away anyway. And then just a few years before his death, he uh, got cancer. And I almost, now I'm older, I'm putting this together a little bit, I almost think that the release for him was he knew now that that future, that, that, that rat race kind of thing was never going to be available to him because he probably wouldn't be around to even have to worry about it, that he now felt free to just worry about the foundation that he should have been building, building for his family all along. And, and I don't mean to, to create a laziness in us that says, well, at some point I'll get serious after I've provided all the toys and all that, and then I'll start serving the Lord. Because God in his immense grace gave, gave my father a few years to right the ship a little bit. And he never, from it didn't seem at all to me at least, who was a keen observer, it didn't seem like he ever beat himself up from the moment he found out he was dying. He never beat himself up about anything that he could have, should have, would have provided that was just going to wash away when the tide came in anyway. And all he concerned himself with was, is my family growing in Christ? Am I leading by example? Am I showing up in church even with bolts in my head and things around my neck and shooting pain going up my neck? Am I in church to set the example for my family? Am I showing them? The guy, shyest guy in the world got up and gave a testimony like these guys did suffering through it this morning. Gave up and gave a testimony about how important Christ has been in his life and the testimony his wife was and her faithfulness to him and everything. I mean, this man changed in front of my eyes and in just a concentrated period of time, just in a few years, led me in all the ways that a man needs to lead his son. He valued, he measured what was important based on what Jesus said was building on a true foundation. Once it was taken from him, he didn't have to worry about sandcastles anymore. He just built on the foundation of a rock. He became a very wise man. I encourage every man in this room, dad or not, husband or not, to find the ways in which you need to improve on the legacy that has been given to you from your own father. We all have one to find the ways that they succeeded or they failed and say, Lord, help me break the cycle of that failure. Help me to improve on it. Help me to be an example around. But also, Lord, help me to face that I have real temptations to want to provide things that are just going to wash away and erode. Give me the strength and the faith not to look by those eyes, but by the ones that are measuring and valuing what's truly important, to be a man of principle. So I encourage each and every one of you, it is not too late. I hope you hear that. It is not too late. My kids are out of the house. It's not too late. I never had any children. It doesn't matter. We can be men of principle who make an impact and point people away from the shores and the beaches that just wash away and point people towards foundational building. Would you please stand? Let's close our time in prayer together. Guys, grab one of these on your way out. There's a table outside the double doors. Just grab one of these if you would. Um, we, we ordered enough hoping uh, that every dad in the room would get one, so please do that for us.
God, I want to thank you so much, Father, for what has been accomplished this morning. Thank you, Lord, for orchestrating something that my lack of planning could never have um, put together. And so we thank you for superintending a process. Lord, that superintending uh, has been taking place in the lives of so many people for many years, culminating into these great stories. Lord, I just thank you for the role that our men are playing in our church and in our families, in our society. Thank you for giving them the strength to resist the cultural desire to minimize them and to relegate them to be like everybody else. Thank you for every woman in this room. We know, Lord, that behind every good man is a great woman, and so we know that that woman exists. God, our families really are the backbone of our society. They're the building block of our church as well as we live under the headship of Christ. God, rescue our families this morning. We pray, we beg of you. Help men to do a complete 180 if they've been living away from you, resisting your voice. And give them the support and the encouragement that they need. That the only sermons they'd hear are coming from you. We thank you, Lord, for showing us what's valuable. Give us the faith to measure our lives by it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a great Father's Day, Dad.